Okay. We are recording. I gotta put my hair up for this. About to get real. Do it. (laughs) It's very serious. Sexitary. (laughs) You're not wrong, friend. Remember that time that we whole process shopping for yes. (laughs) I'll just stop that story right there. Remember that one time. Hi, we're Cara and Jill, two trainers, owners of Push Fitness, and the hosts of this podcast. During training sessions with our clients, we often tell them to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And we're saying that right now to you too. Let's push ourselves. Let's push ourselves to see fitness differently. Let's push the envelope when it comes to self-love. Let's push a new narrative about women and weight. Let's push out harmful ideas about the body that are rooted in racism and patriarchy. Let's find a new definition of fitness that welcomes all people. You ready? I'm ready. Let's push push it. it. Hello and welcome to the Push Podcast. This is season one, episode 11. We are back after a short hiatus. Yeah. And yeah, we just got done working for the day. Well, we're working with clients for the day, yes. <laughs> but yeah, here we are. Yeah. How's it going? It's going well. So Kara started back to work part-time yes. this last month and she's been doing great. Um, not just uh, about working, but she's also been great about asking for help when she needs it, which can be really difficult. It's so hard for me. Yeah. It is. I still like, I have to kind of say it out loud to you. Like, it felt like I disappointed you or that I had failed, you know, when I had to ask for help. Um, and sometimes just saying those things out loud make you realize like you wouldn't want anyone else to worry about that kind of stuff. Right. And so <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's part of the reason. So the way that we set this up was when Cara was in acute recovery, I was covering um, all the gym hours. And then as she's easing her way back in, I'm keeping the same hours, but we're kind of trading off every, every other one or a couple here, a couple there. And that's been working out really well because mm-hmm. um, you've been able to take breaks when you need them, when you might not have expected that you needed them. Mm-hmm. So it's been really good and it's felt good to be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's I'm going to so miss you when I'm back to full time and you're not here all the time. Me too. <laughs> My darn kids tying me down. I know. <laughs> Tell those kids to get jobs. I know. Try to pull your own weight around here. <laughs> so, so we wanted to do sort of a preemptive strike, I guess, on yeah. the diet industry and talk today a little bit about what is coming in January. Yes. So Santa Claus is coming to town first. For- <laughs> For some people, not, right. for, not everybody does the Santa thing. Um, but after that, the diet industry is coming to town because the new year will be upon us soon. Mm-hmm. And that means there's going to be a lot of marketing towards new year's resolutions, mm-hmm. new year, new you sort of the crap. Yeah. <laughs> so in January, you're going to be seeing a ton of advertising for diet plans workout plans. You're going to get people you don't know sliding into your DMs asking you if you want to know how to lose weight, Yep, which is one of my 
biggest pet peeves, because you should not assume that everybody wants to lose weight. Right. We get that all the time because we're fitness people. Like, oh, here, and you know, you must want to know about this product. And I'm like, no, we <laughs> really don't. So, <laughs> and then on top of it, we have the 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 pandemic going on and this ridiculous thing called the quarantine 15. And so you're going to be seeing that a lot as the marketing tool, I bet this year. So people are going to be like, you want to lose your quarantine 15 and they've got the best solution and this is how you do it. And you make it part of your new year's resolution, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's nothing new. If you've kind of been aware the past (laughs) few years of your life, um, this right. is, this is the pattern. So, um, we just wanted to hop on a little bit and talk to you about new year's resolutions mm-hmm. and sort of how they've been co-opted by the diet industry and maybe some kind of, you know, some ways that you can kind of navigate that for yourself too. Yeah. So Cara, have you ever had any new year's resolutions before and uh, how did they go? <laughs> <laughs> All sure. successes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> So, um, I have, and I can tell you that my new year's resolutions in general have been rooted in restriction. Yes. So it's always like, I'm going to give up something. So like it was, you know, giving up sugar or giving up any, you know, like sweets or not drinking coffee or what what stuff or like not having sex until the 10th date, like whatever. (laughs) So unrealistic. So unrealistic. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, (laughs) my New Year's resolutions have all been like basically based on what can I give up um, in order to be a good girl this year. Right. When, when everybody knows I'm on Santa's naughty list. We all know you're not a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who's met you will know that. <laughs> and we like you that way. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I have definitely had New Year's resolutions before. I can't really remember all of them, but mm-hmm. I'm certain that, you know, 100% of them have been like weight related. Right. Um, I remember there was this one that was sort of like, Ooh, this one's a celebration of what your body can do, right? Right. And there, it was. I, you might have done it too. I can't remember. I think we might have done that one hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So there was this exercise one that was like do one hundred of whatever exercise every single day in January. And okay, I did it. But you know, after that, I was like, well, I'm going to do it in February too. This will be my year thing. I didn't do it February first. I forgot all about it. Mm-hmm. So, but it's just it's it's always some sort of like not okay we're gonna get back around to like are they like bad are new year's resolutions bad we're gonna talk about that so don't go away yet don't don't turn off your your this podcast and get all angry at us yet <laughs> you might still but not yet <laughs> but uh, i i think that the majority of the time i can no i'll say 100 percent of the time for myself it's always been about weight like it wasn't mm-hmm. exercising because i could do 100 squats in a row by the end of january and feel mm-hmm. great about it it was because I wanted my body to change because I thought mm-hmm. something was wrong with my body. Right. So that, that's what I'm getting out there. And it's the same thing with anything else, food related, weight related. Like it was always about shrinking and getting smaller and changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I want to take a little segue just for a second about that. Like, we don't think that wanting to change your body is an inherently bad thing, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we we don't think that that wanting to lose weight makes you a bad person. Um, mm-hmm. But but gaining weight is also not inherently a bad thing. Correct. And that is the harder truth to sit in sometimes because we are so conditioned to think that it is. Yes. So being fat, even like the word fat, isn't even a bad word. It shouldn't be a word that stigmatizes people, but it does because of the diet industry. Mm -hmm. And it is not necessarily a bad thing. Yes. And absolutely. So when you listen to us talk about this stuff, try to, to see it through that lens. And I know it can be really hard because we are so conditioned to think that bigger is always less healthy, mm-hmm. less worthy, less um, moral, you right. know, they're not trying hard enough, they're more lazy, like th- that kind of stuff. That those are, those are some really deep-seated things that we have sort of learned to believe about ourselves and other people through, mm-hmm. through the influence of, of diet culture. Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because that that's an important thing to think about because when we're talking about this stuff, if you feel yourself getting a little bit uncomfortable, mm-hmm. if you feel yourself getting a little bit angry, mm-hmm. um, that is a great opportunity to sort of lean into that and be like, okay, why am I feeling that way? And maybe you have mm-hmm. a good cause to be angry. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, we're not in your shoes. But more often than not, when we feel sort of like this bubbling resentment or anger, it's because mm-hmm. we have something that we're holding on to that might not be serving us. Yep. So think about that um, as, we're, as we're going through this. But mm-hmm. So Cara and I were talking this morning, right? And we were talking about where did New Year's resolutions even come from? Right. <laughs> and we both can Google. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so we, uh, we Googled it Mm -hmm. and, uh, there's a great, (laughs) there's a great little rundown of it on the history channel website. Yep. (laughs) So it turns out that a lot of the new year's resolutions do have a background in shame and restriction and morality. Yep. Um, which I think it's always really important to understand where certain things come from, just like how, you know, a lot of like the diet industry has its roots in um, racism and capitalism and patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also really important for us to, to like notice how deep it can go even within some of these things um, like a new year's resolution. Right. Yeah. So we actually, we took a couple of um, screenshots of what we, what we found and we wanted to read it to you. So the first thing that popped up when we were trying to figure out where this whole new year's resolution thing came from, um, we found some information on the historychannel.com about Babylonian culture. So the ancient Babylonians, this is a quote from the website, the ancient Babylonians are said to have been the first people to make new year's resolutions some 4,000 years ago. They were also the first to hold recorded celebrations in honor of the new year. They made promises to the gods to pay their debts and return any objects they had borrowed. These promises could be considered the forerunners of our New Year's resolutions. If the Babylonians kept to their word, their pagan gods would bestow favor on them for the coming year. If not, they would fall out of God's favor, a place no one wanted to be. Boom. So let that sink in for a second. 
right? So if they kept their word, they were on the good list. If they didn't, they were on the bad list. Right. So there's some morality wrapped up in those New Year's resolutions right there, right? Um, and then the other thing that we found was um, about some Roman culture. So New Year's, New Year's resolutions, this is another quote from the website, named for Janus, this is the month of January, named for Janus, the two-faced God whose spirit inhabited doorways and arches, January had special significance for the Romans, believing that Janus symbolically looked backward into the previous year and ahead into the future. The Romans offered sacrifices to the deity and made promises of good conduct for the coming year. Sacrifices, mm -hmm. restrictions, yep. giving things up, and, and for what? right mm -hmm. so it's it, in in roman history it's to it's to be in good graces with their spiritual deities but in today's culture it's for the praise it's for outward praise from other people typically mm -hmm. and to feel like i mean we have this idea that, that we're so wrapped up in like if i just weighed a certain amount or if i got to be this size then i would be happy Mm -hmm. And there's no bigger hoax than that. Right. Because your bad body image or our bad body image cannot be cured by weight loss. Mm -hmm. um, I know this from personal experience as well as from um, scientific research and working with other people that you, when you lose weight, it does not necessarily correlate with feeling better about yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem is, is that we never see the, the diet itself, the restriction, whether it's a diet that we bought or a weight loss program that we bought or um, an exercise thing that we're going to in order to lose weight. We don't ever see those as the reason why we failed in the diet. And when I say failed, I'm talking about like a year from that, from now, mm -hmm. like a lot of times we do get some short-term weight loss success. Yes. Um, but when you look at out a year to five years, most people have gained the weight back plus more. Yep. Um, like 95% of people. Mm -hmm. And so um, we don't blame the diet. We blame ourselves and we don't do that in, within other industries. Like, right. you know, I know it took a while, but like, think about the cigarette industry. Like it harmed people, which I would say diets harm people yep. because they not only don't do what they say they're going to do, but they do the opposite of what they say they're going to do. So it's, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, like, just think about any other product that, like, if you took Pepto-Bismol and it gave you more gas. <laughs> like, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> that would be the best comparison I have ever heard. Did you just come up with yes, that? Yes, I did. I was searching. Did you see my eyes darting around? Yes. I was like, what <laughs> What would what would be a really bad product to have a reverse of? <laughs> oh, Metamucil. Yeah, that's the diet industry. Stool softeners. <laughs> so, so like, so 
most of the time when something, when there is a bad product on the market, there's like government investigations, the product comes off the shelf, yep. the people stop buying there's it. public there's, recalls. Yeah, there's accountability. Yes. But with diets, we just blame ourselves. We're mm-hmm. like, oh no, it was me. It was my willpower. I started eating. The thing is, is that diets fail because of our natural, our bodies doing the natural thing that when we restrict our bodies protect itself by causing us to crave more foods. It increases our hunger, our hunger signals. It decreases our metabolism. It's like a, it's a swing of a pendulum. If you swing it one way towards restriction, it has to swing the other way in order to find balance. And so your body is doing exactly what it's supposed to do when you gain that weight back, which is why when we restrict, it does not work. Right. Yes. So, okay. Let's ask this question. Yeah. Are New Year's resolutions bad? No, I don't think inherently bad. Mm -hmm. I think, I see, I I think about this anytime there's something that's kind of rooted in something icky, you Mm -hmm. know, and we work in the fitness industry, which in many ways has a lot of messaging rooted in icky things. Yes. Um, Or I think about this with like Thanksgiving. It's like, well, I love the idea of being grateful and having gratitude, but Thanksgiving itself is really just celebrating the colonizer and a rapist. (laughs) So, so there's that. Um, So I personally don't set new year's resolutions anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't seem to serve me because I have felt so much failure. Yes. But I also think that most of my resolutions were always linked to weight loss goals. Yeah. And so of course they were destined to fail because the diet industry is a huge freaking failure. Yep. So like maybe if I had a resolution to like, you know, meditate more often or something, mm-hmm. maybe that wouldn't be it so bad. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's kind of, I, it was sort of a, a trick question because I, I think that wanting to improve in some way is definitely not a bad thing. And maybe, maybe a new year's resolution is a great way to kickstart that part of your journey. Um, but with the diet industry being all tied up in new year's resolutions, that's where the problems really pick up because like Kara has mentioned a couple of times, the diet industry was designed to fail. This is this is the thing that really boils my bunnies about the diet industry is that they, here's what they do. They tell you that you have a problem with your body or your hair or your face or whatever. You have this problem. We have the product that can fix it for you. Mm-hmm. You buy the product and then it has a 95 to 98% failure rate. Mm-hmm so that they can tell you what your next problem is and sell you the next thing. This is how they make their money. Mm-hmm. They, they, tell you, they tell you what your problem is, sell you the product for what they told you that problem is, you fail, and then you buy some more. That's how they make their money. That's why they are a $70 billion industry. Mm-hmm. The last time I checked in 2019, it was like over $70 billion. Yeah. And it seeped into so many different parts of our society, mm-hmm. you know, even the medical field. Yes. And I think it's worth noting that a lot of, you know, that what we know about the 
obesity epidemic, which if you can't see me, I'm making my rabbit ears, mm -hmm. um, and BMI charts and things like that that have convinced us that there is a problem. That research was all funded by um, pharmaceutical companies like that, like specifically the pharmaceutical company that owned Fenfen, the diet drug. A lot of that research has come out of that. And a lot of that research is also done in facilities by weight loss specialists who have a big stake in it looking like weight loss is a problem. Like they, they need to show that weight loss is a problem. But here's the thing is that most scientific studies have shown that diets have a huge failure rate, even at their best. Like even like when the research is actually pretty bad, where they don't take into account all the people that drop out of the study, which you'd assume if people are dropping out of a study. It's not because it's going so well. Right. Like, um, and so there's a story I want to tell. So if you're feeling frustrated, like, what the heck, why didn't anybody tell me this before? Like, basically, like, why do I, like, why have I been told my whole life that health equals getting thinner mm -hmm. um, when it's exactly the opposite? Um, is You're not the only one. So nope. there's, a, there's this woman, she ended up um, writing a lot about the diet industry, but she, her name is Raven Chasten. And she started her journey just trying to find the perfect diet. So she was a researcher. And so she, her, for her personal endeavors, she's like, I'm going to find the diet that has the absolute highest success rate. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do that one. And what she found in her research, and she combed through hundreds of studies, she didn't find a diet that had under a 90% failure rate. And she was shocked. She was, she, she had, she went through like, anyway, so it is, it is like, I feel like one of the biggest lies that we're told as mm -hmm. a society. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's, uh, what are we talking about when we say diets? Like, let's, let's break that down a little bit. Anytime you restrict. Anytime Any, you restrict. If you're yep. restricting portions, calories, types of food. Like if you're not allergic to it, you know, like you should, there should be, you know, if you're not allergic to it or you don't like it, like, you know, that kind of like, yes. Okay. So. Yeah. So that's, that's almost every single program, uh, you know, slim fast stack wells, like all those skinny foods, whatever. That's almost every single thing out there, um, marketed but, for weight loss. Yeah. Right? And it can be tricky because it can also come in the form of like clean eating. There we go. Or yep. macronutrients. Bring it home, sister. Or, yeah, like <laughs> it even like people who say intuitive eating, but they're marketing intuitive eating as weight loss. It's all diets. All of that is diets. Like stuff that Jill and I have done and written about, like paleo, yes. Whole30, the sugar detox, all that stuff. That's all diets that they say they're a lifestyle and that it's a, you know, a temporary elimination or it's whatever it is. It's a diet. Boom. <laughs> Bring it home, Cara. I'm ready, I'm ready for my nap. Yeah. She, she just wore herself out there. <laughs> so, okay. So let, let's, 
let's wrap this all up with, with this question. Um, so New Year's resolutions, should you make one? I don't know, should you? Like that's, that's sort of a personal decision and what that might look like. But let's say that you are struggling with how you feel in your own skin. You're, you're struggling with, with your body image. You're struggling with feeling guilty about eating certain things or not having enough of other things. Like, so with all of this information dropped about the diet industry and the weight loss industry, what's a person to do? Right. If they want to make some changes. So I would say initially, if you could get ahead of it a little bit by unfollowing any one or any hashtag that makes you feel shitty about yourself, mm-hmm. including your friends and family, mm-hmm. like including us. If we post something that makes you feel not good enough, unfollow us. I think that that's a good first step. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, that also having a canned response to anybody that contacts you to join their new weight loss program for the new year. And mine might be, I, why, why do you think it's good to lose weight or something maybe much more rude? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, but then, but then also maybe, um, kind of like we talked before, seek out resolutions that aren't tied to how your body looks or even what it can do, because that's not always predictable. We don't always have control over that. So maybe just some small things that make your life bigger and better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is, this is a broad uh, question when it comes to like, you know, if I, if I shouldn't go on a diet, but I want to change my behaviors, like what, what should I do? And that's a really hard question to, to answer because everybody is so different. These, these canned programs don't work for at least not the long term for basically anybody. Um, so what, what we have talked with our clients before about is that, when it comes to eating, it's not that we have a lack of information about what healthy eating looks like. We have that information. We know that carrots are, are good or whatever, you know, like we know that information. The thing is, is that we're all, we're all pretty crappy changers. We're just not good at changing and new year's resolutions. Like they don't work for a reason. (laughs) So I think that like just making small changes over time that make you feel good about yourself and in your body are what's going to lead to those other changes that you might think that you need to make now. I don't know if that made any sense, but um, you can help me break it down a little bit. But I think that it's just, this is such a hard question for me to answer because I don't think that wanting to eat healthy is bad. Like, I don't think that's a bad Mm -hmm. thing to want to do. I think that trying to create a major overhaul and then crash and burn is a terrible thing to do. do. Right. And eating healthy doesn't mean never enjoying food. It's, Mm -hmm. it's really a lot of eating healthy revolves around sort of letting go of a lot of your old habits around food, which is usually like for a lot of dieters would be a restrict binge kind of cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually spending some time just eating whatever you want until you can start to like pay attention to your body's 
natural cues of what it really needs. Like your body is going to crave the foods that you really, that you really need Mm -hmm. eventually when you stop depriving it of foods. Yeah. Um, and so, so it, and that can be a hard process because sometimes it does involve weight gain before weight loss. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for people who have been so conditioned to wanting to go towards the weight loss, it's really hard to like actively just let go and stop having so many rules. But Mm -hmm. like, if you know your body feels better drinking more water, then taking the steps to drink more water is a good thing. Mm -hmm. If you know that your body feels better when you eat more fiber or have more, have a salad each day, taking the steps to try to make that happen. That's Mm -hmm. a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, it's sort of, I think about like for us, when we give advice, especially when it comes to food and behaviors, we really try to focus on what you can add in yes, and how it will make you feel. Yep. Instead of taking things out. Yep. Um, just as a philosophy, we're not, we just don't want to have that feeling of restriction around what we do with our clients in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also not effective. So, yep. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, that's a lot to sit on um, as we enter this new year and we enter this uh, this phase of marketing. And you might you might see some things from us about this on on social media as well. But um, there was a lot to take in in this episode. So mm-hmm. this might be one that you want to re-listen to later. Um, um, you might draw on different things each time you listen to it, but you also might have somebody in your life that you think might benefit from listening to this particular episode. So if you do, feel free to pass it along. And that's all that we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the Push podcast, please subscribe, review, comment, share. The more attention that the podcast gets, the more visibility it gets so that we can reach more listeners just like you. Thank you. Bye.